Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. We've been going through uh, a sermon series for the Gospel Ecosystem, looking at um, this uh, ecosystem of elements that God puts together where he grows us to uh, grow us in faith and life and maturity and uh, working through various aspects. Uh, this week we're going to keep moving forward in that and another couple of weeks to go as we think about this ecosystem. Uh, and again, maybe just think about this question to help us begin to uh, point ourselves in the direction of thinking of where we're going today. Have you ever wished that you could do what you see someone else do? I think all of us have probably thought that at some particular time. We look across at somebody and you see them play an instrument, maybe up there today, or you see someone give a speech, or you play a winning shot in tennis, or whatever it might be, and you look across and said, if only I could do what they could do. If only I could actually have that gift or that ability that, that they have. If only... Well, the truth is, as we think about that, we are all gifted individually by God with a variety of ways that we can serve him and each other. We do see gifts in other people, but each and every one of us are gifted by God uniquely to serve him and to serve each other. And God makes no mistakes in the gifts that he gives. We're going to think about that today because we are gifted to serve as we think about the ecosystem. So please, in your Bibles, go to... Uh, Romans chapter 12. And yes, for those who are thinking, weren't we in Romans chapter 12 a couple of weeks ago? Yep, we are. We're just going to follow on from where we were for this particular time as we think about serving. So go to Romans chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 through to 8. It says this in verse 1, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to come this morning to open up your word. We ask and pray that, Holy Spirit, you would come, as we know you will, and that you'll open this word up into our hearts. Lord, I just simply want to be a vessel and an instrument in your hands, and I pray do your work today to change hearts, transform hearts, and open up eyes, particularly, Lord, in the area of serving that you've all equipped us for. Lord, we ask that now. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So yes, we are speaking through the, uh, the ecosystem that God has ordained for us to grow in. This is where God's purposes are worked out uh, through his practical means of grace to grow us in strength, maturity and wisdom in our lives. God works practically in our lives for the grace that he communicates to every one of us to grow us in this ecosystem. Uh, so far we've built the foundation of the ecosystem. We had God's word working with the Holy Spirit. You can bring that uh, image up, Joe. There you go. Now, for those of you who are engineers, you can see that roof's a bit faulty on the left-hand side. We are going to complete that next week, okay, in case you're worried the roof's going to fall in. So we started there with um, the foundation there of God's word and God's spirit working together, and that's continually always underpinning everything we do. God's word, God's spirit working together. Uh, We move that into loving God with all of our hearts, lives, minds, soul and strength. All of life is worship. And that we took that into community last week. God places us into community. We've gathered here today as a community. This is where we actually receive that strength and help to grow. Uh, And now we're going to move to serving. Serving. Glad, sacrificial service. It's actually a natural follow-on to living in loving community relationships is that God equips us now for this glad, sacrificial service together in the community. Not only for the community, but also for the extended community, that they too would see Christ, that they too would see the gospel. So this is where we're heading today as we think about that. God has gifted us all, everybody, individually to serve the body so that it grows and functions as a whole. Okay, Everybody's gifted here by God to serve the body so that it grows and functions as a whole. Again, let's just put a bit of context for Romans. You might be thinking, what is Romans? Romans is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome about 2,000 years ago. And as we saw a couple of weeks ago in Romans 12, as we looked at that, Romans 12 is a really, it's a major turning point in this book, in this letter that Paul writes to the Romans. Up to Romans 12, it's been, so the previous 11 chapters, there's been this really comprehensive explanation of the gospel, of who Jesus is and what he's come to do. So now in Romans 12, after Romans 11, he actually begins to apply the gospel to our lives. He applies the truth of who Jesus is, begins this application of how life looks. As the Holy Spirit transforms our hearts, revealing this truth to us, changing the way we think, we, are now, we now apply the truth of who Jesus is, and this is how we live. This is how we now respond to the good news of Christ. And we can actually see that in verse 1, where Paul actually does this big transition. I appeal to you, therefore, on all the basis of chapters 11, 1 to 11, brothers, by the mercies of God, take note of these next words, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, on the basis of what Jesus has done, Give your bodies, which is all of you, including every element that God's placed within you, including the gifts that he's given you as well, offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice. Offer up your bodies for service for Christ and for his people. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is a correct response from the gospel, offering up our lives. Uh, So then this presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice follows on practically now into verses 3 to 8 as Paul begins to unpack that for us. Okay, as, as, we, as we think about this, one of the core truths of the gospel that actually helps us to serve with the gifts that we have must be humility. 
As we use these gifts that God's given to us, we must use them with humility before me. And this is exactly where Paul goes in verse 3. Have a look at that with me. He says here, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. What's Paul saying? Don't overrate yourself. Don't have an inflated opinion of your own perceived self-importance. Don't think too highly of yourself. Often we can see this perhaps with sporting people uh, when they achieve some of the feats they, they uh, can make out in this life. Uh, they have these massive egos that sort of come with them. Uh, incredible. They, and they overrate themselves and their hearts are filled with pride through all of their achievements. Now, I imagine it would be really hard to actually deal with that sort of pride because if you're getting the sort of media status that some of those sports stars are getting and actually that whole attention thing, I mean, how do you contain your head? How do you contain pride like that? It's just impossible, surely. But now if we think about this in the context of serving here, we can also easily think more highly of ourselves than we ought to by thinking, well, I'm above serving. I don't need to serve, others need to serve me. That can easily creep into our thinking at times and particularly in a Western culture. Actually, our Western culture produces within us an attitude of self-serving. In other words, I only serve myself or others serve me. We love it when others serve us and we just become receivers of that. And Western culture says that's what life is all about, is others serving you and you being waited upon. You'll often see those um, ads for destinations overseas and the whole picture is of you lying on a deck chair somewhere and people are just serving you hand and foot all day long. That's the ultimate where it gets to. Uh, I'm actually remember seeing an ad campaign in Myers stores many years ago and the ad campaign here said... It's all about you. It's all about you. You're worth it. You deserve it. You've earned it. So go ahead and buy our products, is what Myers was saying. You've earned it. You've deserved it. You're worth it. It's all about you. What are they appealing to? They're appealing to our sense of self-importance. They're appealing to our attitude, you deserve to be served. And this is exactly what our Western culture can do at times. It actually overinflates who we are and says, no, you, you deserve to be served. That's the highest achievement you can find in Western culture. It's people serving you. But what does Paul say in this opening verse here as he moves into these verses? Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Use a sober judgment about yourself. In other words, Paul says, be humble. Be humble about yourself and be humble about your life, particularly when it comes to serving. Serve in humility. Find where you fit in according to God's purposes and live contently in that, serving with the gifts he's given to us. So first thing there is humility as we think about serving and the gifts that God's given to us. So as Paul here lays this foundation of humility and soberly evaluating ourselves, he now wants to draw us back to the purposes of God for placing us into this body that he's given us to be in, a community of people. And he wants to do this in a way that we serve each other in this body or in this community. Have a look in verse 4 now as he begins to draw us back to God's purposes. He says this, For as in one body we have many members... 
and the members do not all have the same function. What's Paul doing there? He's using a, I guess, a physical body metaphor here or example about all these various parts in a body serving each other. And it's just like us with our own bodies. We have all these various parts, these different functions that come together to give us life and vitality where we are. Think about probably one of the most vital organs that we have, the heart. What does the heart do? Well, it has this function of pumping blood all throughout our body to actually carry oxygen or all sorts of things to get our muscles moving and get us out of bed, like Gabby said this morning. Well, it might have been a bit hard, but the heart's actually pumping the blood around to do this sort of thing. We need the heart as one of the members in the body to actually help us working all together. What would happen? What would happen if the heart decided to stop serving the body? It wouldn't be good, would it? What if the heart woke up one day and said, that's it, I'm over it boys, I'm out, I'm not serving you any longer. You probably have about two or three minutes to try and talk the heart back into it again and say, no, I think we need you, can you please start pumping again? That just highlights this picture here that we actually need all these individual members working together. You can't do that, you can't pull out heart on us at this time. We need you, we need your function. So it is with us, says Paul in verse 5. Have a look here. So we, so taking that body metaphor, so we, though many, many people, many individuals, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, connected to each other in this body. Individual members but one of another, vitally connected together in community. So in other words, just like the human body functions with health and growth when all of its uh, individual members are working together to serve each other, to provide vitality, so it is with the church body, Paul says. It's no different. Actually, God's ordained that we all come together with these different gifts and talents and abilities. Many members, but one body, combining together to give life and vitality to each other. Paul's giving us this example here. That's how it looks like. He now begins to step this out uh, logically for us, these members of one body serving another in the next verse. Well, what does this look like, Paul says? And here it is in verse 6. He says this, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And then begins there with prophecy in proportion to our faith. Really important what Paul says here right in this verse. Really important. Have a close look at some of the important stuff that he's got here. He says there, we have gifts. We have gifts. What are gifts? Well, they're a gift, aren't they? It's not something we earn. You don't go to a birthday party sort of earning gifts. People just bring gifts to celebrate your birthday. They just give you a gift. A gift is something that is given to us. Makes good sense. Well, think about that. There's one thing. We see that these gifts are different, says Paul. Everybody's been given different gifts. So again, we see here the important stuff come out. That these are gifts that are given to us, and they're different right throughout the body, and they're given to us by God. God gives the gifts individually to every person, and the gifts that differ according to the grace given us. So they're gifts of grace that God has given to us to every individual person in different ways. 
Let's stop here and think about just that for a moment. What Paul's saying there, gifts of grace given to us from God. Now what Paul's primarily talking about here are gifts for growing the body of Christ and we'll see that more in a moment. But, but I just want us to stop here and think about even that aspect of what God gives to each and every one of us individually. Anything, anything that you or I can do with our body is a gift of grace from God. Anything. The fact that you can sit in your chair right now is a gift of grace from God. You might not think that, but it is. I don't care what you can do. It may be a sporting ability. It may be a cooking ability. It may be an intellectual ability. It may be the fact that you can actually see right now, doesn't matter what it is, it's a gift from God. Every breath we're about to take is another gift from Everything that we do is a gift from God. We cannot do anything apart from God who actually gives us these gifts from the very smallest thing to whatever you know, very public showing of a talent might be. Now that fact alone, when we actually begin to get that, that anything I can do is a gift from God, surely that must humble us. It's not me, it's actually God who enables me to do this. That's a humbling thing if you stop to think about that. Whatever you can do is purely a gift from God. Even if I can sharpen and improve my gift, which we can all do that by practice and trying to actually get things better, even that, that ability to sharpen or improve my gift is just another gift from God to enable you to do that. It's all a gift from God. It's all a gift from here. It all comes from here. So we have no right for any sort of proud thinking about my gifts or my achievements. Now, I've often heard some Christians when they actually do win sporting events, uh, some of them actually go and say, I want to give thanks to God who's given me the ability to, and that's just right. That's just true. Now, you won't hear non-believers say that. They'll just say, you know, maybe thank mum and dad and thank a few other people, but they don't actually thank the one who gives them that gift to do that. Every gift comes from God. Now back to where Paul's going here as we think about this. Paul is about seeing the church here in Rome grow in maturity and effectiveness for the gospel. He's done 11 chapters of explaining the gospel. Now he wants to see this church apply it to their lives so so that they can grow. He's saying this, God has given you a whole range of gifts. All these gifts are are to be used in serving each other so that you'll grow in Christ. Now that's really important for us to get that here, what Paul's saying to them. The Spirit inspires Paul to write that, not only for the Romans back then, but for us today to grow in the gospel as well, to use the gifts with each other. And here at Exchange we have a whole range of gifts already working here, and it's a blessing for us, and I'm glad it's a whole range of different gifts as well. Because I was thinking a bit like this. Imagine if we had a hundred or so preachers and that's the only gift we had in front of us. That's a scary thought. It's a really scary thought. Everybody would be evaluating the sermon. Everybody would be criticising this or picking on that. I, I just imagine what that would be like. It's scary. I'm thinking that church wouldn't be attractive to anybody. We need 
different gifts. We need this whole range to happen. We need the different gifts that God has planned for to grow and develop a healthy, growing body of Christ. It's important what Paul's writing here for us. We need these gifts to grow. I just want to shift gears here a bit and think about the motivation. The motivation here to recognise our gifts which some of you sometimes can challenge with that. I mean, it all depends how God has wired us, and that's probably another whole talk there again. But the recognition, to, to recognise our gifts and then to serve Jesus and others with these gifts. So I think the motivation is a really, really important question. Some people are motivated because they want sort of, you know, fame or notoriety for having this gift. Here's the ultimate motivation that we need to have as believers to use these gifts to serve others and to see the body grow. And it is to see the one who has served us. See the one who served us when we didn't deserve it and only when we warranted judgment and condemnation. It's to actually look to the one who served us beyond all comprehension. If we see him, this is the motivation that actually keeps us serving and growing and serving. Have a look at this as we think about Mark chapter 10 and we see there what Jesus says about himself. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, this is Jesus, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now if ever anybody was worthy of being served, surely it's got to be Jesus. It's got to be Christ. After all, who is he? Jesus is the king of the universe. Jesus is our sovereign creator. Jesus owns every single thing upon this earth. Jesus owns every single thing in the universe. There's not one square millimetre anywhere in this universe where Jesus cannot say, mine. He owns everything. He is worthy of all praise and all service. But what does Jesus say here in this verse? I haven't come to be served. I have come to serve. I've come to be a servant. I've come to serve those who can't save themselves. I've come to serve and restore you from your broken lives. I've actually come to serve, says Jesus, the king of the universe. And this is what God's spirit does through the gospel. God opens our eyes up to the person of Christ who served us at the cross by taking our judgment and condemnation upon himself. He is serving us. And when we see Christ's love and his servant heart being vividly displayed at the cross, serving us, not serving himself, when we see that and God's spirit opens our eyes up to comprehend that and transforms our heart through that, we see that vision of love, we also want to serve in response for the way he served us. And the more we see that, the more that should generate us wanting to serve because of this glorious one who served us. So to grow a serving heart, a heart that continues to want to serve, we've got to keep looking to Jesus serving us. We keep looking to the king of the universe, humbling himself at the cross and again laying down his life to serve us so that we could be set free to serve him. And as we take that in, our hearts want to respond. Jesus, thank you for serving me. 
how can I serve you as a response for all that you've done for me? Our heart should respond that way. But it doesn't necessarily always respond that way, does it? We can easily get infected by our own self-importance. But we should respond purely and be motivated purely by looking to Jesus and what he's done for us. That is the ultimate motivation. I think we can get motivated to serve in other ways as well. And that's particularly when we see others serving around us. Now, overwhelmingly, everybody enjoyed camp we had a couple of weeks ago. We put a feedback form out and overwhelmingly come back with so much enjoyment through all various aspects of the camp. But if you think about a camp, there's a whole stack of people doing stuff to serve us so the camp is able to uh, take place. And I look across and I see many people serving us through kitchen or around the um, meeting hall or the music team. I saw all these people and actually it, it motivates you to want to actually get in there because you see them serving. We actually get motivation that God, when God uses other people to serve us as well. That's another way where God motivates us to serve others as we see others serving and being blessed in doing that. God grows us as we serve. God grows us as we serve. Paul tells us in Acts chapter 20, which you can, we'll bring that verse up for you now, it says there towards the end, it's more blessed to give than receive. It's more blessed to give than receive. This giving can be serving others, giving of the talents that we've got to actually go and serve others. And, to, and Paul says there that Jesus' words are, it's more blessed to give than to receive. What is this blessing? This blessing is growth in Christ. This blessing is knowing God's love and acceptance of me as one of his children and I experience that as I serve others with the gift that God given to me. It awakens in my heart God's love for me and his acceptance of me as I serve. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now that flies in the face of our Western culture. Because we want to be a receiving culture. But Jesus says, no, it's more blessed to give than to receive. We actually grow in him. Here's something else the Holy Spirit does through serving in us as we serve with the gifts and talents that God's given to us. This is really, really important. God's Spirit releases me to, to simply be who he's made me to be when I serve with the gifts and talents that he's given to me. I'll say it again. God's Spirit releases me to be simply me with the gifts and talents that is uniquely given to me. I don't have to try and be somebody else. I don't have to try and serve with the gifts they've been given or what they've got. I can just be me. I can just be the one that God's created me to be and to serve him with those talents. This is releasing, I reckon, because sometimes we wish we were like that person over there. We wish we could do what they do. But when we actually understand that God's created me and giving me these gifts and I just need to serve with what he's given me, it's liberating. I feel released. I'm not trying to be somebody else. I'm just trying to be the way God's created me and wired me and to use those talents. Because sometimes I wish I could sing like someone over there. Or sometimes we might think, I wish I was as funny as that person over there. Or sometimes I wish I had the gift that other person may have. And maybe sometimes we want that because we just want the praise that they might receive. But when we find our identity in Christ, 
understand how he's gifted me, understand how he's wired me and simply serve Jesus and others in the way that he's created me, it releases me. It liberates me. I discover who I am and I just serve in that way. And when that happens, when that happens, when I discover that and I just live out how God's called me to be, we grow in maturity and we grow in wisdom, loving and serving Christ. And actually we can celebrate the gifts in other people because, hey, God's wired them in that particular way. God's done something different with me. So we can begin to celebrate what God's doing in other people's lives other than being jealous maybe of what they've got and what I haven't got. God releases me to do that. The Spirit also does this through our serving for growing. With all the various gifts coming together within the body, he grows the church. He grows the church. Have a look here in verses uh, 6 to 8, the last part of verse 6. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, these are all practical gifts, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. These are very practical elements here of church life. The one who teaches, he can do this in his teaching. The one who serves through his service. The one who contributes financially with generosity. Do that. And the one who leads, do it with zeal. Do it with energy. And the one who does acts of mercy, do that with cheerfulness. Released to serve. And this all actually helps the body to grow. Every element of church life is a gospel ministry helps the church to grow. Can you imagine... Can you imagine if we didn't have our EC Kids ministry here at Exchange? Just say the people gifted for that didn't do it, sat on the side, and there was no EC Kids ministry. You know what would happen? We would lose a vital opportunity to grow disciples in a child-appropriate way. We would actually lose that ability if we didn't have the EC Kids ministry. This may sound unspiritual, But if we had no EC Kids Ministry, young families wouldn't be drawn here uh, because of the church because we don't cater for their children to grow in the gospel. And we think, well, that's that's sort of unspiritual. It's just the way God works in our humanness. If we didn't have that ministry happening, those people serving with those gifts, the church would suffer because of it. Absolutely it would. And you could apply that across a whole range of ministries. If we lack the capacity to serve in any of those areas, it actually hampers the growth of the church. It's true. The Holy Spirit grows the church as each person serves in the way that God has gifted them to serve. And when we don't use that gift, when we don't use that gift that God's given to us, we actually hold back the growth of the church. You might say, Todd, that sounds pretty hard. It's true. It's true. That's the way God ordains his church to go, through the gifts that he gives to individuals. So when we hold that gift back and we don't use it and we sit on it, we actually are hampering the growth of the church. As Amelia read for us before in Matthew 25, will actually be held accountable for the gifts or talents that he's given to us. What did the guy do with the one talent or the gift that God had given to him? He went and hid it in the ground, didn't use it. And what did Jesus say when he came back to bring his talent or gift to him? 
He said, you lazy, wicked servant. You didn't do anything with what I gave you. God will hold us accountable for that. If we don't use our gifts, we actually hamper the growth of the church. Here's something else that happens when a church does use its gifts and begins to be a a serving church. It becomes a welcoming church as well. A serving church with a servant-hearted culture naturally flows into being a welcoming church. Think about this. How do you think a first-time visitor or family would respond when they're served by various people as they come to the church? Everybody's using their gifts. They walk in through the door and they're warmly welcomed by the uh, welcome team. And then they're served gladly by our EC kids team if they're, if they're a family. And then they're served by our hospitality team. And then they're served by all of us after the service as we connect with them. How would that feel to that person if they came into that body of people and they were served in all those various ways? How would they feel? How would they think? I can tell you right now how they'd think or how they'd feel. They'd feel welcome. They'd feel loved. A serving culture, a servant-hearted church, actually is a welcoming church and provides a welcoming attitude. And this type of serving becomes a significant part of our gospel ministry here as we seek to connect people to Jesus and to grow people in Jesus. This makes the gospel attractive when we serve with the gifts and talents that God's given to us. This is a really vital part of the gospel ecosystem. The way God's gifted us and then we can serve back into the body to make Jesus look great to draw people into a loving, serving, welcoming environment. It's exactly what it does for us. Humble, sacrificial serving in a community motivated by Jesus becomes an attractive community in winning the lost. And that's what we want to do here at Exchange. We want people to discover who Jesus is, to be saved from hell, have forgiveness of their sins, and to have an eternity in glory with Christ. So here at EC, as we think practically now, we have a whole range of gospel ministries that we would love you to serve in, to see this body grow and have an impact here in the Goulburn Valley. Every week, we have between 20 to 25 uh, opportunities where you can serve here in this church. Diane knows it well when she puts the rosters together. Multiply that over the month, that means 120, 150 opportunities where you can serve here in this church. If we put some of the midweek stuff on there, it could be more. It could be 160, 170 opportunities to serve in this church. We want you to do that. Why is that? Because we want to see the gospel grow in your heart. We want to see the gospel grow also through the Goulburn Valley as we take up the gifts and abilities God's given to us and serve gladly and joyfully with him. Let me close here with these uh, words of Paul right in the middle of verse 6. Have a look at verse 6 there. He says this, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Just look at those next four words. What does he say? Let us use them. I want Paul's words to stick in our minds today. Let us use them. Use them. Ask yourself today, God has gifted me in whatever particular way. Am I just sitting on that gift? Am I hiding it away and not using it? 
Am I taking the easy option of not serving and thereby holding the church back from growth because I'm just not going to use it? I'm just going to take a seat and not use it? Or will we hear Paul's words there, just four really simple words, inspired by the Holy Spirit, let us use them, Paul says. Here's the gift that you give me, Lord. Here's the opportunity. I actually get to serve the body to see Christ grow in us. Please help me to use this gift with all my might so that I can grow and so that the body can grow. Let us use them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today as we think about what you've given to us to grow the gospel in our own hearts and to grow the gospel in this community as well. God, we thank you again for this ecosystem, these practical elements of grace that you are working in our hearts and lives for us to grow. And we see, Lord, that serving is a vital part of this ecosystem. You've gifted every single person sitting here today with some type of gift or talent for the very purpose of using that gift or talent for them to grow in and also for the body to grow. God, you know our heart's desire is to long to see your kingdom grow in our heart and our lives and also through this region where we live. We want more people to discover who Christ is. We want more people to discover the joy of the gospel, forgiveness of sins in a living and loving relationship with you, Lord. And you've ordained that that will take place as we use the gifts that you've given to us. I ask Holy Spirit now, please, let those words that you've inspired Paul to write stick in our minds. Let us use them. Can I get any clearer than that, Lord? May we know the joy and the blessing of using these gifts and talents and may we see your kingdom grow for the glory of your holy name that people too would enter into this same joyful, sacrificial service as we use the gifts and talents for your glory and your glory alone. Father, I thank you for every single person who serves here. Many, many, many people serve gladly here at Exchange. I pray, God, that we would all get on board and use the gifts and talents and know what it is to serve in that joy and gladness. Father, today we ask and we pray that now in your glorious name, Jesus. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.